I was working on a project at Precision Lens Crafters. And it was three o'clock in the morning. We were on site trying to get live and something went wrong. And the, the whoever it was, I don't remember who it was, she just had a meltdown. It was like, this is going to be a disaster. And I and she described the problem to me. And I said, back then we used literally transactions. So I said, change the N to a Y in column 54 on this transaction and run it again. It'll be fine. <laughs> and like the power and the, the joy in those moments is something I've never, I've chased in my career ever since and never gotten close to, to getting. This is the Rebel HR Podcast. The podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. All right, Rebel HR listeners, extremely excited to have the discussion today. We are doing a special edition of the Rebel HR podcast. This is a new uh, Friday show, and we are joined by a wonderful guest, uh, Larry Donovan. Larry is a seasoned executive in the software industry for over 30 years. His experience spans the entire spectrum of activities in a software company with the greatest emphasis on executive leadership, sales management, and product management and product development. Uh, Larry is currently the chief executive officer of Namely. Uh, if you have not heard of Namely, uh, I would encourage you to check them out. They are all about helping HR out with HR technology solutions uh, and really targeted at organizations where there's maybe an HR team of one or a smaller HR team uh, in a smaller organization provide some solutions to to free up some time and make their lives easier. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Larry. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. And really excited to to, to dig in here. Um, we were talking before I hit record, you know, I've, I've been with uh, the large companies. Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of different uh, HR information systems and uh, really excited to kind of maybe nerd out a little bit on, on HRIS uh, stuff. But before we get into that, um, I want to understand a little bit about your journey. What brought you into the CEO role um, at Namely? How did how did you get where you are today? Yeah, sure. Well, it's I always I'm always curious about how people end up in HR because um, mine is a a, a very um, well I don't know about, I don't know how usual but faithful let's say um, which is in 1984 I was renting cars at the Hertz rental car counter in downtown Chicago. Um, 1982 was the worst job market for graduating students, perhaps in history. Uh, maybe 2008, 2009 beat it, but I wasn't paying attention. And um, uh, one of the women I worked with there had worked at, at Hertz in that office for over 10 years. And we became good friends. And she kept saying to me, you cannot be here for 10 years. Please do not stay here. And one day she came in and she said, you know, my husband uh, works for this company in the suburbs. And they have, they do software and they're looking for smart people to join and support. Are you interested? I'm like, I'm interested in anything. It gets me off this rail car counter. <laughs> and um, sure enough, he hired me. And it was a small division of what at that time was Burroughs, later became Unisys Corporation. And they served small uh, K-12 school districts for um, student systems, financials, and you guessed it, payroll. Um, and so I got hired the Friday before I started. He got fired. Um, but I came in anyway, and luckily they didn't turn me away at the door, and that's how I ended up in the business. And 
for some reason, it just got under my skin. And, um, and then I just always found it fascinating. So I worked, you know, in a lot of customer facing roles for a number of years, um, spent 10 years at a company called Cyborg, which most of your listeners are probably too young to remember. Um, and that's how I got into product management. Uh, it, it was, you know, your comment earlier about PeopleSoft before we got on today. Um, PeopleSoft all of a sudden literally was cleaning our clock. Mm. And at the time I was running sales support and they said, hey, can you help the development guy figure out what we should do about this? Because there was no such thing as a discipline of product management. And that's how I became a product manager. Um, and then uh, I actually uh, worked from home for four years in the early 90s, which was not at all fashionable at the time <laughs> uh, because I had moved to Minneapolis from Chicago. And um, when my children were born and I didn't want to commute to and from Chicago, uh, I found the only HR software company that was based in Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is a company called Lawson Software. Um, and I, I joined the company as the head of product there and um, was there for six years. Um, got a little burnt out on the software business and decided I was going to become a corporate CIO. So I went to work at Best Buy. Uh, biggest mistake I ever made. Um, <laughs> you know, never, by the way, worked in HR or HR technology at all the whole time I was there. Um, but, you know, you learn things in life. And I learned that I really love the software business. And so Lawson came calling a couple of years later and I went back, um, spent six years there. And then at the end of that, I was running a small business unit. And I was really at that point in my life where I had to decide if I wanted to be a CEO. And I, I knew that there was only two ways that was going to happen because the product guy never gets a CEO job. Um, so I either had to start my own company, which I've never felt inspired to do, uh, or I had to lead a sales organization. And so early in my career in, at Ceridian, I um, had gone to the CEO and said, give me a shot at it. And ironically enough, the time I asked was a, a few days after the current sales leader had quit. Uh, and so there I was managing a 500 employee sales organization. And the closest I'd ever come to working in sales was doing demos and sales support. Um, you know, so did that for a total of five years in a few roles uh, and, and, and left the company ready to go um, start my career as a CEO. Had a brief stint uh, at a company called Think HR, now Mineral, uh, where I still serve as the chair, board chair uh, and mainly came calling in 2019 uh, and recruited me uh, to lead the company. Yeah, it's, um, it's that's a really interesting career path. And I'm just I'm just reflecting you know, we, we've, we've had a few guests from the HR tech space on, and it, it's just so fascinating to think about, you know, how much has changed, you know, I mean, technology has changed in general, but gosh, how much has changed since the eighties in HR tech to mm -hmm. now we're talking about how do we ensure, you know, your video conferencing systems allows for, you know, st streamlined integration with your, <laughs> with your HRS. It's like, mm -hmm. that was such a figment of a dream, you know, back in the eighties and nineties. So um, so you are a trendsetter. You were working from home before it was cool to do so. So yes, I, was. I think you should put that on your LinkedIn too. <laughs> there you go. Well, and I always joke that, you know, I've lived through three complete re reinvention cycles of HR technology. Mm. You know, first we had, you know, we actually got to use a terminal, um, where you could actually visually see anything instead of mounting tapes. Then, you know, then PeopleSoft came along with, you know, a client server and a, a legitimate user experience. And then came the cloud, you know, which most people associate with Workday as the biggest innovator. Um, but really what Workday did was create a great next generation HR system, which happened to be deployed in the cloud, you know. Um, and I can with great confidence say I will not be here for the fourth. 
<laughs> well, good for you. I think you've probably earned some 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 rest and recuperation after turning from going from turning wrenches to CEO. But what a great what a great story. Um, you know, we didn't talk talk about this in the beginning, but um, we do use think our think HR in my organization. Uh, and now it's Mineral, so you know, great great platform. Um, you know, uh, we were. Uh, we were struggling a few years ago to try to figure out how do I, you know, how do I get, take care of some of these virtual trainings? You know, we need something. And we ultimately went with the Think HR as a solution. It's been great. It's super, you know, it's a, super easy to use. You know, if I can use it, <laughs> it's it's easy enough to get users and, and stuff in there. And now I've got somebody that's fortunately uh, better equipped to handle it. But yeah, great product. So and it's, a, it's a very interesting space, especially as it relates to technology, because one of the things that I did a lot of work on before, when I was there and I work with the new CEO now um, is this notion that you can integrate systems with content. So the example I always love to use is when you hire your hundredth and first employee in the state of California, mm. guess what? Your world just blew up. <laughs> um, do you know it? And what do you do about it? And how powerful will it be? And this is some of the vision we've been working with them on is how, how phenomenal it would be that when you hit save on that 101st employee, you got this whole avalanche of data telling you what to do, how to do it, and hopefully maybe even just doing some of it for you. Um, that's a whole aspect of what's going on in technology that's all Greenfield. You know, I, I, I love that vision, and it it's fits so cleanly into, you know, my context of what I think HR can be. You know, and, you know, I think... I think about like the compliance aspect of my job. And and when I, when I started in HR, it's been um, not quite 20 years ago, but I worked in an organization that was, was fairly evolved in HR uh, information systems where, you know, there was a, there was a trigger that somebody needed to make sure that, that, that somebody needed to take a lunch break because in that state, there was a, a lunch break compliance law. You know, there, there were dashboards to track some of the, you know, KPIs that really mattered. But then I went from that huge organization into a smaller organization that was 20 years behind, you know, in, in their, in their HR functions. And it, and it was a completely manual, you know, like, oh, we have this training spreadsheet that we have to make sure people get done, you know, make sure, make sure you remind them to do it, put it in that Excel document, you know, um, oh, we forgot to hold our, our annual, you know, standards of business conduct training. Shoot, we need to do that. We have, you know, we're six months late. Um, and there's no system reminding us to do it or helping us be proactive with it without having somebody manually manage it. And and then I think about, yeah, there's there's such a robust opportunity here to take some of the administrivia out of HR's job to free up their time mm-hmm. to focus on the stuff that my guess is the CEO really cares about a lot more. Re- retention, yep. <laughs> employee engagement. Um okay picking the right people, um, you know, career development, you know, all of these things that we, I think in HR, we kind of think are maybe a little bit squishier, but they also aren't necessarily as urgent because they're not, you know, they're not as, as front and center as like payroll processing and, and compliance, you know, requirements and things of that nature. So, so as, as you have taken the helmet at Namely, um, tell me a little bit about what your focus is, um, and and you know how are you coming to the market to to help out HR professionals? Sure, sure, it's a great question. You know, it's interesting because um, one of my hesitations about joining Namely 
was that I had worked with enterprise clients, you know, pretty much um, from the start of my entire career, large companies. And um, Namely does not serve large enterprises. You know, Namely's focus is on companies typically with between 50 and 500 employees. Um, and so um, one of the things I had to do from day one is completely rethink my mindset about our, about what a customer does, how they operate. Because, you know, I could make an argument that says, you know, I've been inside the head of, you know, HR users from a technology perspective, as well as anybody, you know, you might find. But in fact, not the case at all uh, in terms of this target customer. And what I like to say is the only time that our customers understand is just in time. <laughs> and why do I say that? Because none of these customers have people around that are experts in the software that are there to go to with a question. Um, none of those people um, have any experience with what it means to configure software. They often, and they sure as heck don't have time for it. Um, and so what, what we, what we learn, what I learned right away and what we doubled down on is how do we serve that customer the best way possible? And the way to do that is to find what I, what I like to refer to as the perfect mix of, of simplicity, um, and, and functionality. You know, enterprise class systems will give you a thousand ways to do activity X. And when you have a person that's an expert on how to configure it, they consult with your user, you should choose option number 530. <laughs> Our customer cannot possibly live in a world where there's a thousand ways. So I have to pick the 25 ways that will best serve the customer and then make it super easy for them to choose that option. Ideally, even just telling them what to do and suggesting it and doing it for them if they say, yep, that's what I want. Um, so for us, it's a very different dynamic and our competitors are still trying to be all things to all people. Let's be honest. In this market, um, the investment community loves the company that goes end to end. You talked about ADP earlier. ADP is an end to end provider with five different platforms, five completely different unrelated platforms that they do a great job of migrating customers to as they grow. There's nothing wrong with that story, but to suggest that ADP can provide a path for that customer from the time they have five employees to the time they have 5,000 is an absurdity. <laughs> um, yeah. And so for us, what that means is we graduate customers to Namely on lower end products as they grow out of it at that usually 50 to 125 employees play space. We're also eyes wide open that when our customers get to a thousand employees, they're very likely going to graduate away as well because I didn't provide support for those thousand different ways. Um, and so maybe at a time and place, we'll aspire to that customer, but we're not going to. You look at the other companies in our space, like ADP, the pays, you know, they want to carry those customers forever. And actually, I respect that. Um, for a company of our size, that's not a realistic option. What it also means, though, is we can then provide what I think is a very unique specialized experience, ranging from, you know, great user experience and ease of use that employees love to doing a number of those processes themselves. What diff what's unique about Namely is we're a, we offer a managed benefits solution, which includes benefits brokerage. We offer a managed payroll solution where we actually operate it for the customer. So that client that's growing fast with, a with one, two, three people in the department can take on all the important stuff that makes a difference, to your point earlier, recruiting, retention, employee experience, performance management, compensation, will do all the back office benefits and payroll stuff for them until they get big enough that they see value in doing it themselves. And then we're happy to turn it back over to them.
That's really interesting. You know, um, it's fascinating to talk with you <laughs> because usually when I'm talking about an HR system, I'm talking to somebody in sales, right? And it's it's every <laughs> it's every, every shiny penny reason why you know this is the best system ever, right? It's really refreshing to hear you know, your perspective and, and, you know, and I think the, the integrity and honesty to say, listen, this is, this is who we serve. This is our niche. This is what we do. And we're going to do it really well. And I can just tell you from, from, you know, my perspective, when, when you made the comment, you know, 25 ways, not a thousand ways, I felt that deep down in my soul, because I can tell you, you know, I've, I've been with the big, the big companies and, the tool, the, the, the tools themselves, you can do so much. You can do almost anything you can dream up, but to actually get it to do what you want it to do can be extremely painful. And I can't tell you how many situations I've had where I've had, you know, usually it's some poor payroll person on my team who's working through a problem and, and is, and works the problem for weeks thinking they're doing the right thing and finds out, Oh, there was a better solution over here, but I didn't know about it. I was, and, and, you know, the poor rep who was helping me through it didn't know that this is actually what I wanted to be done at the end of the day. And then it's crap, redo it. It'll take another six weeks. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and there's three people in the company that are familiar with anything close to all thousand of those ways. R right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all about like, you got to get the, you got to get the one, I call it like, you got to get the guru. The yep. one guru who like came up from the bottom up and actually like helped build the structure, of the system. And, you know, but the problem is that person's probably promoted like 17 times since last Sunday because they're so good. Like actually getting him to do something for you is like impossible. <laughs> yeah, back in my cyborg days, this was in the 80s. I was working on a project at Precision Lens Crafters. Um, and it was three o'clock in the morning. We were on site trying to get live and something went wrong. And, and the, 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 whoever it was, I don't remember who it was, she just had a meltdown. It was like, this is going to be a disaster. And I, and she described the problem to me. And I said, back then we used literally transactions. So I said, change the N to a Y in column 54 on this transaction and run it again. It'll be fine. <laughs> and like, like, like that, that, the, the, the power and the, the joy in those moments is, is something I've never, I've chased in my career ever since and never gotten close to, to getting. <laughs> and that's probably why you're CEO right now. Cause you knew, you know, it, <laughs> the no to yes, right. You were, you were the guru. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 I think it's a, it's a great approach. And, and, you know, as I, I think about, um, you know, I, I, I kind of reflect on, on my journey and there's so much that I could focus on in my job. I mean, you, you, you feel this, right? I mean, it's, it's like, what is, what is HR? You know, in, um, you asked the question earlier, you know, you know, how do people even get into it? Well, I, I tell people HR found me. Um, and for me, you know, my skills are, it's, it's the, it's, it's, I'm an extrovert. I like people. I like to think about strategy. I like to try to get people aligned with the right roles for them. I, I love recruiting. I love development, all that stuff. But if you come to me and you're like, okay, you also run, you know, you, you have to run payroll. Um, I, you know, that's like, I'd rather watch paint dry than try to figure out how to do like 
time and attendance structuring. So I've been very fortunate that I can always rely on, on others. But the other big challenge with that is um, I'm also accountable to make sure that it's correct. And, and if it's not correct, you better believe <laughs> that's on me. So just because I don't enjoy it or don't necessarily understand it as well as um, you know, my, my payroll uh, person uh, sitting in the office next to me, um, I'm still accountable. And, and, and that's where it's, it's, it's kind of this constant tug of, tug of war for HR leaders to figure out, okay, what do I actually focus on? What do I have time to do? But how do I make sure I don't miss anything? And I, I think mm-hmm. that's what's wonderful about the platform here. So one of the um, one of the things that I was curious to talk about is, you know, what is your approach to um, to the service model? And I, you know, I've been through I've been through you know this with a couple different you know s- scenarios here. But how do you really differentiate yourself as as far as making sure that that your your clients have the best experience? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's interesting because when I joined the company, um, we had just moved our call center from New York City to Atlanta. Um, and let, let it suffice to say, if there's any Namely clients listening, uh, they will they will remember these days if they've been around for a while because it wasn't pretty. Um, and the first thing I did was I actually, you know, I, I, I stole some con- concepts that we had implemented at Ceridian um, because one of the challenges with service, you know, as I said to you earlier, the only time they understand is just in time. I've got a problem. I need somebody that understands it. Please, God, help me quickly. <laughs> um, and on that, and 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 that has a, a number of dimensions. You know, first and foremost, show me how to deal with it right in the app, and we work really hard to do that well. Um, it's first; it begins and ends in, inside the product. Back my comment earlier about balancing um, simplicity with with depth of functionality. Um, but then you ask the question, well, where do you go from there? Um, and so what we, one of the things we did early days when the company was a startup, which of course customers loved is they had a named contact. They called the person for anything, um, direct phone call, reach out to that person. Hi, Joe, it's 3am. I need your help. Mm -hmm. Never sustainable. I still have clients asking me to bring that back. Um, so, but what we wanted to do was try to find an intersection there that worked. And so we approached, we built something we, we refer to as the pod model. So we create pods of customers. Um, those customers have unique characteristics, typically number of employees, also whether they're, they're using our managed products or not. And then there's a team of experts that exclusively serve that group of customers. So a couple things happen. You know, you're only, we may have, I don't know, we have 75 people in service. You're only going to deal with a handful of them, five, maybe 10 of them on a regular basis. They get to know the client, you get to know them, you get trust in them, they develop an understanding of what you need. So you get some of that personalization. But the beauty of that also is the the world doesn't fall apart when that one person takes the week off or gets sick. In addition, we've invested very heavily in um, in the Salesforce service cloud. Um, and have built a portal, which customers love to hate because, you know, people still would rather just get somebody on the phone in three seconds. But we've built some really great technology and invested really heavy uh, in knowledge base articles um, that are easy to find. So when you search for it, you know, and then what we do in the background is we track very carefully exactly what they're doing 
to find the answer to the problem. It refines the search, it refines the search results, but more importantly, it gives us input into how we change the product. Or when we see something that requires attention, we, we, we use a tool called Pendo that actually puts a message in the app. So let's say that we watch the same customer after a release have the same five problems. Maybe they found the knowledge base article. Maybe they called us. What we do is we go right in app and put the warning that says, hey, if you're trying to do this, don't forget that this is what you need to do. Hmm. We, we want, we call it, we call it case deflection, which I hate because it's so uncustomer friendly, <laughs> but it really is powerful. The best case is the case the customer doesn't initiate, whether it's on the phone or in our case management system. So it's a multi-tiered process. Um, and it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's taken us um, to a place where, you know, we have world-class transaction support surveys um, at an average of about 6.7 out of seven. You, you can't, you can't really get any higher than that. Um, and it, and, and it's worked well for us. Um, it's not perfect. You know, trust me, you know, any number of your listeners are listening to this and saying, you know, service sucks, whether it's namely or otherwise, because service is the number one reason why customers leave as well. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, all you need to do is, especially our customers, is have a really bad experience that's employee facing, and the CEO or the business owner is like, "I don't give a crap why, why you'd like or don't like." Namely, replace them. And by the way, barriers to exit are low. You know, it's you 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 may, you may not be able to do that with thirteen hundred some employees. You can't wake <laughs> up one day and do it. Our, our customers actually can. Do they want to? No. Is there value added in doing it? No. Um, um, you know, so so we pay a great deal of attention to that. Um, <laughs> when a customer leaves us, it hurts. It, it yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because you know I I have floated to my my um, payroll and benefits uh, specialist who's like the she's she's the HR person. I'm sure there's probably a lot of people listening right now that can re- relate to this. She's the person that started as an accountant in accounts payable. Ended up getting thrown payroll her way like twenty some years ago when there were only sixty employees, and then and then grew to have to run payroll for like you know six hundred, <laughs> and and just did it all, um, and then yeah, going hey you know that system you used for the last twenty plus years yeah, we're gonna change that you know that that's a switching cost yeah. for me that I I <laughs> that's pretty expensive because uh, I think I might have to might have to uh, uh, help her. Um, yes. work through that. So, but I've worked with many of those users in my career. Yeah. <laughs> and God, uh, God bless them. I mean, seriously, yeah, you know, exactly. to my earlier comment, it's like, uh, you know, that my sweet spot is, it's certainly not that role. And I certainly didn't go to school for accounting. So, you know, I am like, I'm blessed yeah. to have been able to work with her and many other wonderful, uh, people with similar backgrounds. You know, it's, it's one of the interesting things I like about HR is it's like you get to use both sides of your brain, right? You get the left brain and the right brain and you're, and you're trying to clump it all together in this kind of this storm in the middle of your head as, a, as an HR practitioner. Yeah, one of my favorite stories from the old days when I was doing implementation work was that opportunity when the customer would be like, your taxes are wrong. <laughs> and they'd say it like it was a statement of fact. And it could easily have been somebody doing it for 20 years. Um, you know, and back in those days, we were actually dealing with customers who owned and maintained their own payroll systems. Uh-huh. Like they had in-house yeah. IT people building it and they were wrong a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, but I, but I would have to show her and, you know, so I would geek it out and I would do all the calculations, you know, those days are over for me, but 
but I can go there with anybody, which is pretty powerful as a CEO, to be honest. <laughs> um, it does help build credibility with customers when things aren't going so well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so interesting and all, you know, maybe a, you know, cautionary tale or, or and maybe something to think about. Hopefully nobody's doing this, but many years ago, um, I was working with a system that was, it, it was not one of the largest systems, but it was kind of a homegrown, kind of like this, like Frankenstein monster of a payroll time and attendance system. And we had a DOL visit. And one of the questions in the DOL visit was, what are your rounding rules? Oh, and <laughs> the, um, the honest answer from um, the individual at the location was, well, I have no idea what that even means. What do you mean rounding rules? And what, you know, there's, there, uh, most of us understand there's very specific rules on how you can round time. Well, sure enough, one of those rules was off by one minute. And that resulted in a multi-year look back from the Department of Labor. Mm -hmm. And we had to go make it right. And you know what? At the end of the day, what it was, was it was it was not malicious. There was no, no. malintent on anybody's part. It was just, it was one number in one system on the back end of some random payroll system that was structured probably 20 years prior and nobody ever looked at it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, it, yeah, and, and it was corrected. But... Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a situation where it's like, you know, if you're in those small organizations and you're, and I just told that story and you're sitting there and you're thinking, um, I don't know, <laughs> it's probably time to start thinking about how to systemize, how to leverage expertise, you know, I, and yeah, don't, you don't have to do this all yourself. So. <laughs> I learned a lesson. I learned rounding rules. I tell you that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, I think the maybe the only other question I wanted to ask is um, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of the workplace disruption and maybe peel back from the system and talk a little bit about your role as a CEO and as a leader. And as you have been leading an organization through one of the more disruptive years uh, or year and a half at this point since we've been going through the global pandemic and we've seen a shift in working attitudes and working relationships, how have you, um, approached the challenge of, um, you know, kind of culture retention and, and keeping the team engaged and focused on, on, on the number one goal, you know, how have you tackled that? That's a great question. You know, I'm, I'm very proud to say we have, um, you know, super high employee engagement scores, which I'm very proud of, but, but, um, you know, they weren't, they, they haven't been easily attained. Um, I, I think the most important, I, I've been on a very personal journey for sure, um, especially as we saw things like the murder of George Floyd, which for me was, and my daughter lives a mile from where that occurred. So mm. not only had work-related, but personal-related implications. Um, obviously helping people kind of navigate life um, in the midst of a pandemic, um, completely changing the way we operate as a business. And I, I think for me, um, you know, the, 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 the part of it that's been the most profound is, um, you know, how I've had to, how I've had to evolve as a leader, um, become, become much more proficient as a listener. Um, I think I, I think I have some natural empathy, but you, it has never been more critical or more vital, um, in helping an organization, um, in difficult times. And then I think perhaps most importantly, and this is just more my nature, 
you know, I don't really, I don't really hold back. People don't really need to know how I feel. Don't get surprised by how I feel. And I think that was powerful in helping people feel safer and respected. Ironically enough, you know, our, our turnover didn't spike, but it didn't go down in spite of our very high engagement scores. And, and that's been okay too. Um, you know, and then lastly, I think the thing for me that's been the most interesting is being a voice for those customers for whom their CEO doesn't get it. You know, mm-hmm. I've been shocked by how many times I've done, um, you know, I've done some more, I've done some live stuff and have made the statement like, listen, customers, I, I hear you. It is not easy to deal with your CEO. And you have got to give them a wake-up call sometimes, knowing that it might not work. You know, but the CEO coming to you and saying, hey, deal with this Black Lives Matter thing for me, okay? <laughs> it's just happening all the time. Um, is so wrong, it outrages me. Um, and especially for our target customer, but it's true everywhere. There was there has never been more a time where a CEO needs to be hands-on in supporting, coaching, mentoring, and and leading their HR leader in this time in our world. And I, unfortunately, there's a lot of CEOs that just don't get it. Um, I hope more have, have discovered that. Time will tell. Maybe somebody will survey them someday. It'd be an interesting research opportunity. Um, but But maybe more than what it's meant for our company, because that's actually been pretty smooth. I'll take a, I'll take a, you know, a, a, a quarter of the credit for that. Um, how it's affected our customers has been more, more surprising and, and more, uh, more almost frustrating, more distressing, let's say. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I think really, really interesting insight, you know, and, and, uh, I'm sitting here taking furious notes, but, you know, it, you know, starting with yourself and your own personal leadership and you, and, you know, and listening and empathy, you know, transparency in communication. And then, and then, you know, to focus on, um, you know, some of the cultural challenges that we're facing. And, and I think, you know, uh, maybe can end the, the, the main discussion here on this point, you know, the, the call to action to, uh, you know, CEOs, senior leaders, you know, as an HR professional, I truly believe that's one of our primary jobs. Maybe our most important job is to speak truth to power mm-hmm. and to help our leadership team understand the challenges that we face and the fact that this isn't an, you know, quote, HR issue. This is a this is a business issue. This is this is going to impact the entire organization. This isn't something where, you know, HR can you know, oh, HR's man, HR put out a COVID policy, so we're COVID safe now. And and you know exactly. what? Don't worry about how people feel about masks or vaccinations. We've got this policy; it's fine. You don't have to worry about it. Well, wrong. You know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you know, DEI. Well, that's an HR thing that you know we 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 feel good about that because HR put out a you know a flowery announcement on MLK Day. Well, you know, it it that doesn't count, right? <laughs> it's it's got to be systemic and it got it has to start from the top. So I, I appreciate you for championing that and for for sharing that and I think call to action for all the HR folks listening um how can you do that in your organization? How can you foster that feeling? So and I, and I, you could probably shoot Larry an email. I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to your CEO too. Larry at namely.com. <laughs> All right, we're going to shift gears. I I'm fascinated to hear these answers. We're going to go into the Rebel HR flash round. So All right. All right, here we go. 
Question number one, what is your favorite people book? So um, the one that I love is Ancients. It is 25 years old. It was written by Herb Kelleher, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, about at the time, actually pulled it up to read how they describe it. Southwest Airlines Crazy Recipe for Business and Personal Success, which was really about just treating people really, really well. You know, and now it's like the biggest thing ever. I get I, I get exhausted by these long LinkedIn posts about how I'm I'm taking control of my work-life balance. I, I'm taking care of my children. I mean, like, yes, I recognize there's companies that didn't support that for decades. I'm not one of them. Um, I, you know, I've I've managed my work-life balance just fine and I'm a, a workaholic. But I love that book because it was so funny and so insightful and so powerful and still relevant for culture today, uh, even though it's, you know, quite dated uh, and quite a, a bit um, irreverent. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great story. And um, yeah, I have not read it. I've, you know, it's like the, it's one of those things where I've read, you know, how many, yeah, LinkedIn posts and, you know, there's been allusions to the book, but I've, I've, I have not actually sat down and read the book. So that's, it's a fun, easy read. It's very readable. It's like junk. It's like, it's like, you know, a trashy novel, but <laughs> leadership. Sounds good. All right. Question number two, who should we be listening to? Oh, you know, I am one of those people that um, has paid less and less attention to the universe um, as I've gotten older. Um, I'm less interested as a learner. So Honestly, my answer to you is your inner voice. Mm. Um, I've spent a great deal of time in the last year during the pandemic um, doing mindfulness training and meditation training and have learned that, um, you know, so much of what you hear around you um, affects your ego or how you see yourself or how you want others to see you. Um, yet your inner voice is the one that is the most powerful. And you can feed that inner voice with learning, which is great. Um and, uh, and that's, that's how I would answer your question. I love that. You know, it's, it's fascinating that, um, that that's your response because there has been a, a common theme as I've been interviewing, I've probably, I've interviewed about a hundred people for this podcast. And I, and I get this question quite a bit where people are like, how do you deal with all the stress and how do you, how do you handle it? And, and, you know, my honest answer is I'm just a host. I don't know, you know, like yeah. I'm still working through this myself, but I can tell you what some super, super smart people tell me. And there is a consistent theme that it, it is about, like you said, connecting with your inner voice, you know, meditation, um, you know, blocking out some of the, of some of the emotions and, and noise and, and really focusing on, you know, what is true. And that's, that seems to be a, um, a common theme from some super smart people. So, Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, last question, hard-hitting question here. How can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, um, like I said, LarryAndAnley.com, easy. Um, you know, we'd love to hear from, I, I, I love it when people reach out to me uh, after these kinds of events. Um, and of course, if you're interested in Namely, that works just as well too, and I'll get you in touch with the right people. Absolutely. Um, and and just so you guys know, Larry's legit, like, on his LinkedIn profile, he literally has his email address in his about me. So like it's out there. <laughs> By the way, it says for customers. It does. It does. So you know, I had to beat up a, a salesperson who reached out. <laughs> I said, no, no, it's not for you. <laughs> 
And again, if you want to learn more about Namely, it's namely.com. Super easy to remember if you're in the market and thinking about it or frustrated with your current system and want to understand some other options. Um, you know, great, great platform. Um, Larry, thank you so much. It's been an absolutely wonderful conversation. You're super busy. I just sincerely appreciate your time today. And uh, thank you for sharing uh, some of your knowledge and wisdom with us. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Thanks. Take care. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.